This episode of the Lane One Podcast is sponsored by the Quintana Running Company. Q Running has been empowering individuals and the community through running since 2016. Learn more at www.qrunningco.com. That's www.qrunningco.com. Now let's go for a run. Friends of the Q, welcome back to the Lane One Podcast. We're really excited about... Uh, launching our first episode. This episode was fun to record. We sat down with Danielle Sunderhouse, and as you'll find out shortly, she has quite the background in many areas. Specifically, though, she has a very um, excellent story about uh, venturing into the world of ultramarathoning. But before she got to that crazy world of us nut jobs, um, she had quite a career as a soccer player, which I won't go into too much detail right now, but uh, and we'll let her tell that story, but it's a fantastic story that I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun setting up interviews with uh, a lot of the great people that uh, make up this sport and um, have had some great conversations, and we're looking forward to getting those uh, episodes posted and up, and we should have uh, the rest of them up shortly. Um, and as I mentioned in a brief uh, update a few few days ago, we decided to go with a thematic approach to this first season. And since it's March and it's uh, Women's History Month, and it was International Women's Day a couple days ago, we thought it would be great to do a series of interviews interviewing women that are doing great things, not only in, in endurance sports, but also in the community and how those... Uh, how those efforts tie into the endurance and running community. So we're really excited about that. So thanks for uh, subscribing, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, or the myriad of other platforms that host podcasts. Thank you very much for following us. Uh, by all means, let us know what you think, feedback, if you have any idea for future guests. Um, we're going to try out the thematic approach with a couple of other ideas that we're working on lining up interviews. So we'll be really excited about getting those out to you guys here shortly. So Enjoy the conversation, and um, we'll talk to you guys soon. So we're in the studio with Danielle Sunderhouse. Danielle has a fantastic uh, background, and I'm going to let her tell us uh, how she got to where she is sitting across the table from me and uh, having this great conversation. So Danielle, what's, what's your origin story? What's my origin story? Well... I started out as a kid in the Midwest, blue-collar family. Okay. Work hard for everything you had. That's what we were always told. You got to work hard for it. Nothing comes easy. Sort of one of those where, you know, put your nose to the grindstone, just go after it. And it was Ohio, right? It was Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. And growing up in Cincinnati, it is a big city, but it is a small, big city feel. And what I mean by that is... People grow up by their parents, you know, they live by their parents. Then when you are old enough to go out on your own, you find a house by your parents. So it's this whole community where, hey, I live three doors down from my parents. And I just sort of always knew that I was going to do things a little bit differently. I don't know why. It was just always this feeling of like, man, there's got to be more out there. Like, now, was that, was that also something your parents... Was that a vibe that they had? Did they instill that? Or were they your hardworking Midwestern, you know, we go to work in the morning, we come home and... They were that hardworking, we go to work. My dad woke up every morning about 2.30, 3 a.m. He would head out and 
would be at his job. He was a route salesman. So essentially, uh, he would deliver at the time it was Dolly Madison. They're no longer yeah. around, which would be like the little Debbie, the hostess, right. the, you know, the donuts. We had more donuts than you can imagine in our house. <laughs> Ridiculous amounts. And so his whole thing was, is his job was based on, he had to sell to the grocery stores, deliver it. And whatever was left over, if it was stale, it came out of his paycheck. So he had to know right away how much money he had out there, how to make enough profit margin, whatever else. So any stale products came home. So like it might've been stale in the store, but in our house it was still edible. So we had like massive amounts of little debbies yes like it was ridiculous and it's looking back oh my gosh the diet i grew up on we sort of laugh about it now but it was donuts and you know i mean you should have diabetes i really should and i should not be running i should be doing (laughs) other things but my mom worked for the the school district she was the um, secretary to the superintendent so she worked her way up from just working in the high school sure getting in and that's sort of what was instilled in us is get up whatever it is, you don't complain, you just go out there and you, you get the job done. Right. So that is sort of the upbringing I had. Um, I grew up with two brothers, an okay. older brother who played football. He played soccer growing up, uh, which sort of sparked my interest in soccer. And uh, my younger brother, who also played soccer a little bit, played basketball, but really he just was the biggest comedian ever. I can describe my little brother as like Chris Farley, like to a T where uh, the Cincinnati Reds were hosting a um, mascot competition where they wanted somebody to come out and entertain the crowd. Well, he interviewed and it was between him and another guy. And he did the whole Chris Farley fat guy in a little, a little coat skit, ripped the coat. They were dying, cracking up laughing. And they just at the very end went with the other guy. But like, He's probably one of the funniest people I know where he will have me just rolling hysterically. Yeah. And it's even funnier because he is now a bank manager. <laughs> so it, to me, it cracks me up because I'm like, this is not the person. This is not. He's, you're he's, right. Yeah. He should be like in comedy, but he loves what he does. But my brother, my older brother with his interest in sports so much, I would watch him out there and I'd watch him play. So I played baseball. I played softball. I played basketball. I played soccer. You did it all. I did. And my parents, uh, we grew up in Cincinnati, very Catholic education, very Catholic area. So we went to Catholic schools and my parents ran the concession stands Mm -hmm. at the little local park, which was attached to our Catholic school. So we did intramurals all the way through until I was about in sixth grade. And then I finally And what part of Cincinnati are we talking about? We are Corrine Township area. Okay. So right by Corrine High School, Mm -hmm. very strong football program. Um... And my parents were like, okay, well, in order for you to go to these schools, we have to work the concessions. It helps with the money. So every Saturday, every Sunday, every day you can imagine, we were at the the fields, the concession stands working. So I could make change, you name it. I could make hot dogs. I was selling beer. Probably not what I was supposed to be doing at that age, but, you know, it was like... It was a different time. It's the Midwest. Yes. And so I would go out there and work the concessions, and then we would go, and they'd give us these little sticks pick all the garbage oh right and we would have competitions between all of us kids that were out there whose other parents were helping about who could pick up the most garbage and then if you could get back there first then you got like a free lollipop total smart parent move dumb kid move on like i'm gonna get a free lollipop how much garbage can i pick up 
but but how much did that feed into that competitive oh, you have no idea like it i yeah. it, both like my brother and i was like almost to the death on who could pick up the most garbage <laughs> And, you know, we're talking like tripping people, like as you're running back, you might be like checked into the wall. It was, it was, we were a very competitive family. We were. (laughs) Um. And that also gave me the opportunity to have a playground in front of me. Sure. So I was, when I didn't have to work the concessions and I didn't have to help, I was out jumping in on soccer practices. I was out jumping in on, on, you know, softball practices. It gave me really what I saw is just playmates, people yeah, to play with sure. constantly. And that also really made me better because yeah. I was constantly getting extra practice in. So it wasn't just the once a week you have a practice and then you have a game on the weekend. When you're up there all the time, you practice all the time. Yeah. But you don't realize it's practice. You think it's fun. It's fun. Right. And that's really what fueled me was everything was fun. And I tell people all the time I was a better fast pitch softball player than I was a soccer player which is sort of laughable because my background is, is I ended up playing on the U S women's national team for soccer. Right. Right. But what steered me towards soccer was, is my freshman year in high school. I and this is still out, a Catholic school. This right? is still a Catholic school, okay. Catholic high school, all girls, Catholic high school at this point, tried out for this fast pitch team. The coach was like, great, you made it. Um, this is awesome. And Oh, by the way, you can't play any other sports. And I was like, okay, well any other high school sports? I understand that's not a problem. I'll commit to you. She's like, no, any other outside sports either. So while you're while, on our team, yep. you can't do soccer, yes. baseball, football, swimming, cross country, nothing. track, nothing. It was all in on that high school sport. Wow. And I said, okay, well, thank you. Well, I've made up my decision. She said, well, what number are you? And I said, I already have a number on my soccer team. And I sort of like deuces <laughs> and I like her, her mouth about hit so the ground. the trajectory that you would have taken would have been completely different, probably. Probably. I, I would say... Most likely, yes. If they would have let me play club soccer and fast pitch softball for my high school, it probably would have been completely different. And the nice thing is, is I was blessed with speed. I was. I was always the fastest player on every team um, that I was on. And so that was always great for softball because, you know, most people that were a little bit slower. They're getting a single and I'm trying to right. stretch You're getting it a double, a triple. triple right. I mean, like I was like, how fast can I go around the, the bases? And were you infield, outfield? I was outfield. outfield. I loved outfield, which is... So you could track down a ball coming exactly. at you faster than... Yeah. Exactly. And which is great because now my son plays outfield and he... My kid's thinking of me as a soccer background. So when I say stuff baseball related he like looks at me like what how do you know this who are you i know what what, are, what have you been watching are you youtubing stuff no i actually did this i know what i'm talking about but that path of being told choose you know and i think a lot of times we were told choose and i chose what i wanted what right. i really loved where i i think i felt versus being put challenged. into a, a you know a category or into mm-hmm. a into a box. Yeah. yeah. And I know it, it sounds funny, but I think soccer just challenged me more. Mm. Like softball just came easy. Like it was like, okay, well, no problem. All right. I see what the pitcher's doing. I, right. I almost could. Anticipate the yes, move. Yes. It was almost slow motion to me. But soccer, it was just a whole different ball game, really. I mean, it was a whole <laughs> different level because they're, you're thinking three, four moves ahead. You're, you're not just anticipating, are they stealing? What's the pitch coming right. in? All of that. You are actually in soccer. You're trying to think, okay, if I pass it to my outfielder, what's going to happen? And then, or my, you know, midfielder, what's going to happen? Things 
in soccer challenge you more sure, mentally. Sure. And that's what I really liked about it was the mental side of soccer. It is a mental game, not just, okay, go out there, hit the ball, catch the ball, throw well, the ball type thing. Yeah. It, it's more of a chaotic chess match. It you is. know, you're making a move and you know, you're wondering, okay, well, are they going to go this way, this way, that way? And you're really not sure. Yeah. You know, it, and it, maybe it would have been different if I was a pitcher because I think for softball pitching is more of that chess match sure. of, okay, you know, what am I going to throw next? But I wasn't, I was yeah. an outfielder. So yeah. I was just waiting for them to hit the ball, catch the ball, throw it in, get them out. Um, so I moved on in high school into soccer and things were great, except I did not make my varsity team as a freshman. Um, it, they said it was due to the fact that freshmen were not allowed to make the varsity team. I would have bought it, except they did bring another freshman up that year to play varsity. So it just was one of those that I was like, okay, I see how this is going. I, I appreciate you guys, but um, I, I was a watch me now kid. Oh, you don't think I can do it? Watch me now. And so that's really what it came down to. So my sophomore year, so at 14, did not make varsity. varsity. Um, at 15, my sophomore year, I was called into the full national team. So it went from... So so how did you how did you get on the radar if you if you didn't make the team as a freshman... Now you're catapulted, you know, the next level. How did that happen? It really came down to uh, what they call ODP, Olympic Development Program. For sure. And so I was trying out for my district level, mm. tried out. Uh, so we went districts, then we went states, then regions, and then from So regional. you were playing outside of high school as well? I was. Club sport, yes. you know, in the local club. Yeah, gotcha. and I played for Hammer FC. Okay. And it was really cool because uh, Clay Revis was our coach, and he handpicked players, essentially. It was great. Like, he knew, okay, I've got this player in northern Ohio, and I've got this player in, you know, southeast Ohio and southwest. It didn't matter where you were. I mean, we had players from Kentucky, wherever. Sure. And he really went out and handpicked players to play on the team. His He would do one team at a time until they were all committed to go off to college, and pretty much their senior year, he'd start with his next team. And so I was in the right age group. I came perfect, right place, right time. Perfect timing. He saw me playing, and yep, okay, that's what we want. And pretty much brought me in with his team. He was helping me by saying, "Okay, yep, go to ODP. All right, we'll get you into these different tournaments." So he put me at the right places to be seen by the right coaches. You know, he put me in tournaments that Anson Dorrance from North Carolina mm -hmm. was able to see me play at, um, which really put me on the radar even more. My dream school was always UNC. Uh, I had somebody tell me, well, you know how good they are, right? And I said, yes, I do. And um, that same person said, well, what if you don't make it? And I said, well, then I guess I've got to work harder. That person's now my husband. But um, <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm grinning over here. Because it was one of those where he looked at me like, they're like crazy good. And I was like, and I'm just crazy enough. Like, and that's really what it's been down to my whole life is just being just crazy enough to try things that most people won't try. But it's interesting that throughout the course of your life career, there are always those people that will say, you know, have you given it some thought? You know, you know, are you sure? Instead of going, go after it, you know, grab it by, you know, the cojones and go for it. And if you do it, great. If you don't, at least you know you did it, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's everywhere. And it's interesting. I think more people 
get the same response and hear the same response of like, play it safe. Right. Don't do too much. Have you thought about the consequences? And I'm like, dude, all I'm thinking about is, is like how awesome that's going to be. <laughs> right. Like, why are you looking at the negative? All right. I see is like the sunshine and rainbows I see and the butterflies. Top. Yeah. The mountaintop. And, and trust me, not everything along the way while you're trying to get it is rainbows and butterflies. Absolutely. You've got to embrace the suck. There are moments where... <laughs> You might be throwing up after fitness or yeah, you're playing through the pain or, I mean, it's not always this ray rainbow ray of like light and hope. Right. And I mean, trust me, there are moments when I was practicing that I'm like, why am I doing this? I mean, what's the point of this? And, but you get in this mental game and that's what it comes down to is I feel like runners, I feel like athletes, I mm-hmm. feel like s- successful people, sure. they can win sure. the chess game in their mind. Because everybody wakes up some days and they're like, I don't want to do this today. And you'll go back and forth. And it's just, okay, suck it up, buttercup. Get your butt out there. Go do what you got to do. I mean, to the point where my kids are like, mom, come on. And I tell them all the time, suck it up. You know, deal with it. Like, I know you don't want to do it right now. It's not my problem. You made a commitment. You stick with your commitment. And then they finish and they're like, oh, I feel so much better now. I'm like, yes, that's the whole point. Like if people would realize if you just did it, how much Listen better you to would mom, feel. Exactly. Right. <laughs> now you, you mentioned kids. You, uh, I know you have two kids, yes. but you have twins. I do. Boy and girl. Boy, girl, 14 year old twins right now. Okay. okay yeah. right we'll, now. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But going back to high school. So you played, so did you finish playing high school soccer or once you got onto the radar of the national team, did you say, thank you very much. See you later. No, I kept okay. playing high school okay. soccer. I okay. played I played through throughout my high school career for the high school, okay. for my club, and then I just balanced everything else. I went from perfect attendance my freshman year to missing 63 days of school my senior year. The school, because of your commitment? Because of my commitment right. to the national team. Not, not because I, you were not, out. <laughs> I wasn't playing hooky. I wasn't calling out sick. It was the commitment to the national team. Gotcha. That kept me... Very busy. I mean, we would be gone traveling to Europe, sure. you know, playing internationally, being called into camps. And the the good thing was is my senior year um, was 1998. Yep, I'm dating myself. So You're still younger than me. They had the 99 World Cup coming uh-huh. up where yep. everybody remembers Brandy Chastain yep. ripping off yep. her shirt and seeing her in the sports bra. So we were training for the 99 World Cup. Okay. And since it was a what they classified as an Olympic or a, um, international year, my high school could not fail me out like they really wanted to. Cause I had one teacher that was a little bit upset. Uh, I had the highest grade in her class, uh-huh. but yet I had missed 63 days of school. So the way it worked is we had tutors on the road with the national team. So gotcha. high school players had tutors, college players had tutors. So whatever was happening in school, they would teach us. Gotcha. So it was not just all fun and games. Like we would have three sessions a day. Usually in the morning we would get up and we would do, you know, ball work, whatever else. Or if they decided they were going to run us that morning, we would do fitness. We'd have a quick break. Everybody else would go back and have fun, you know, back at, at the time we were in San Diego at the Olympic Training Center. They would head off, do whatever. Well, everybody that was still in school had to go sit down for two hours with the tutors, start school Make sure you had your snack, get your second session in. Then after that, then we would have lunch back to the tutors and then, you know, make sure you had your another snack back to training again. And usually in the afternoon or like the third session, if we weren't actually outside 
scrimmaging, we were inside doing chalk talks. So we were, you know, and you're trying to stay mentally focused, but yet you've already put in school and then, you know, you have homework that the tutor wants to see that you did because you have to turn it in. They would fax it into the school. So it wasn't necessarily like, Oh great. I'm leaving, you know, I'm out of here. Good luck guys. It was like, it was 24 seven. It was. And it, it was, it took a lot of discipline. It, it taught me how to follow a regiment, follow a schedule and mm-hmm. stay disciplined. Um, and then of course my one teacher that didn't like me so much, uh, <laughs> inevitably. And I knew it like the first time I was like, Oh, what a coincidence. Like I came back and that day we had a test. Like the, the, the day I was like back in school, we had a test and I was like, Oh, that's a coincidence. And then it kept happening. And I'm like, this is not a coincidence. She's doing this on purpose. Sabotage. I know. I'm like, yeah. she's trying to sabotage me, but Thankfully, I was very good at history, and I was like, <laughs> I got this. So really, for me, it was just understanding that if I wanted to continue, this was the path I, I was choosing. And that meant I couldn't complain about it because sure. I wanted it. You got to embrace the suck. You do. And, and you know, everybody else was like, I can't believe you do that. And, like, you know, wouldn't you rather just go hang out on the weekends? And I thought about it, and I was like, no. <laughs> it's like, look, I I've seen so much of the world that – I know that when I leave my senior year, it was no, not really an insult to my parents. I knew I wasn't staying around. I was going to go, I was going to go places. Right. And right. I wanted to be in different places. And if I stayed there, I knew I just sort of, you know, would fall into a routine. And I think that's what's sort of neat about it is the national team taught me how to really see the world sure. beyond my vision. Sure. And that, that was what was awesome about it. That's great. And so when, when you get selected or identified as a potential player for the national team, what's your parents' reaction? Um, so <laughs> I got called into the principal's office and I'm like, what did I do? I'm like going in my mind. I mean, no kid wants to be called into the principal's office over the PA. Yeah. Like where yeah. the whole school hears your name and I'm walking. Cause in. it's usually not because it's a good thing. No. <laughs> Especially I mean, the Catholic high it, school. No. <laughs> and it was like serious the way she said it. And Austin, I walk in and my dad's in the, like sitting in the principal's office and my mom's sitting down and my mom had been crying and I'm like, someone died. Oh, great. Someone died. I'm like, well, okay, who died? And I'm like, all right, well, I'm like going through the list of people. I'm like, has anybody been sick? Like, are my brothers okay? And the principal comes in. She's like, just a minute, Danielle, we need to bring in the vice principal and the AD. And I'm like, Oh God, Good now God. I'm in trouble. Like, what is going on here? And my mom's like, it's okay, Danielle. Like through the tears. And I'm like, this does not seem like this is okay. And then they all sit down and they're like, well, Danielle, um, we've got to work this out and we've got to figure this out. And I'm like, work what out? Figure what out? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm thinking I'm getting kicked out of school. Like in my mind, I'm like, what, what did I do? Like, I've never really got bad grades. And I'm like, maybe it was my French class. I did just like do not so well on a French test. I know I've been struggling in that. And so then finally my dad was like, you got called into the national team. Meanwhile, this felt like 20 minutes of like sheer terror. Cause you still don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. And then they're talking about how they can work out my schedule and doing school, not in school. So I'm like, I'm getting suspended. Like, what is going on? So then We're when suspending I, you so you could go play on the national yes, team. Yes, pretty much. So <laughs> when I finally, you know, figured out, okay, I'm got caught in with the national team, I was like, no way, shut up. Like, I'm being punked. Yeah, I was like, this is not Where's true. Ashton Kutcher? He's going to come and, out of here. And so that was what was cool about it is, is 
my parents were just, you know, they were really happy and oh, proud. I, I'm I mean, sure just over it, the moon. Yeah. And, but then of course, since it was across the entire PA, you know, coming to the principal's office, everybody as I'm like walking back to class, they're like, what happened? What happened? Are you in trouble? I'm like, no, nah, I'm not in trouble. I don't want to be like, yo, I'm on the national team right, now. Right. And so I just kept telling people, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not in trouble. You know, it's fine. They're like, no, we saw your mom. We saw your dad. Like, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. I'm like, no, I swear <laughs> I'm not. And then so finally, one of my friends was like, what's up? And I told her, and it was like within 30 seconds. It was almost like they announced it again on the PA. Like, this is what happened to Danielle. You know, and it was, it was neat. Like, people were coming up to me and, you know, I would say when you have a moment of success, you see who your true friends are mm. because they'll come or out. Or failure. Yeah. <laughs> they'll come out and they'll, they'll tell you, Hey, congrats. And they'll mean it. And then you got the other people that are grinning between their teeth, like trying not to like bite their tongue off because they're not happy that you made it. I want it. to know what the softball coach is thinking. <laughs> yeah. You know what? She, every time she saw me, I was like, Hey, how are you? And she would just sort of like, wave and keep on going by and i was like oh yeah very sheepish yep Mm -hmm. i could have been playing for you but you told me i had to choose no it was it was good it was exciting and and the best part after that was just really knowing that i had freedom in the sense of anytime i was like hey i'm gonna go train my parents were like okay what else do you need what do you got like and it was neat but i will also say it was sort of that double-edged sword of if you're tired and you don't want to go out there knowing that your parents are like, you haven't trained today. Are you going to go out there and train? And I can't help it. I do that now. Sometimes mm-hmm. with my own kids, I'm like, that's your schedule. Are you going to go do it? Like, this is the agenda. Right. Get out there and get it done. Um, but it was good because there were, you know, days that I didn't want to oh, do my yeah. fitness. You know, because nobody likes fitness when it's coming down to it. I don't care yeah. whatever it is. You know, as a runner, there's yeah. days that you don't want to do that thing. Nope. You know, as a soccer player, there were certain things I did not want to do that. And, but that's what I would do the most because if I knew I hated it, I had to do it more so that when we got tested on it, I didn't have a mental freak out of like, oh my gosh, I can't stand this. Cause I watched a lot of my other teammates, especially in college that would dread Tuesdays. Tuesdays was fitness day in college at, at Carolina and they would like wake up freaked out because it was fitness day. And I started doing that. And all of a sudden one day I was like, why am I doing this? I'm like one of the fittest players on the team. Right. Like, why am I worried about fitness? I've never failed a fitness. Why right. am I worried? And it made my, my whole Tuesday, really, it made my whole Tuesday suck. Because <laughs> I'd get up, I'm like, oh my God, today's Tuesday. I can't believe today's Tuesday. I can't change the fact that it's Tuesday. I've got a heck of a lot of Tuesdays in four years at Carolina on, on running. Sure. And so then once I like embraced it and I realized like, dude, just, just own it. Yeah. Enjoy the suck. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Like fitness lasts maybe 30 minutes out of your whole day. It's not worth ruining, you know, 23 hours and 30 minutes over 30 minutes. Of right. Fitness. Right. And once I did that, it, it, it really changed. I think the mental side of what running was, what fitness was, everything else from there. And so you make, <clears throat> you get selected on the national team. You continue playing soccer, high school. You eventually make it to North Carolina. Where you had a well, you had a successful national team um, career as well as a collegiate career. Um, according to my notes, you were ninety six to two thousand with the women's team. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And then two caps. Yes. Okay. And then uh, and uh, and then 
Did you play in the World Cup? I trained for the Olympics. Um, did not play in the World Cup because of based on like, like seniority the timing of it. Um, uh, I was still a little bit ninety nine. I was still a bit young. Okay, um, it was my senior year, and then I started training for the Sydney 2000 Games two thousand Olympics. Yeah, and it would have been Sydney. Okay, um, called into residency. Everything else had a um i suffer from compartment syndrome mm-hmm. which is a lower leg issue oh, okay had mm-hmm. surgery my freshman year everything started to flare back up again not the time that you want an injury to flare up no so i uh, had to have surgery the the thing with compartment syndrome is is we have this love hate relationship it loves to come on at the, at most, the most inopportune <laughs> times and i absolutely hate it so um <laughs> I had the surgery three times. Typically, you have the surgery once. It's supposed mm-hmm. to take care of it. It's never supposed to come back again. Well, since I like to do things to the extreme, it was called, they ended up diagnosing me with rare reoccurring chronic compartment syndrome. Good Lord. Yep. So it, I had the surgery three times. The third time is actually what forced me into retirement from uh. soccer. And I wasn't quite sure what I was going to be able to do after yeah. that because I was like, okay, well, it's running because they kept telling me it's constant pounding. It's, right. It's that... What I discovered it is it's not the constant pounding. It came from the pounding from sprinting. Oh, because interesting. Because it was just a different biomechanical right. form. Right. And that's if, like, if I'm doing sprint workouts now, I can, can feel, feel it? it. Oh, yeah, I can feel it. So that's where people are like, okay, you need to do sprint workouts. I'm like, no, if I want to run, I can't do a sprint right, workout. Right, so right. So I've trained my body to adjust differently. But at the time, I didn't know it. And sure. soccer is about sprinting. It's about jogging. There is no like, okay, I'm just going to jog quickly. You're no, either you going slow sprint. or you're sprinting. Yeah. yeah. There, there is no like constant flow in between. There's no steady state. Yeah. So um, did not get the Olympic medal. One of my good friends who I love dearly came back from the Olympics. She played really well. And she's like, here's the medal that we won. You sort of should have won it too. And like handed it to me. I was like, you know, that's messed up. She's like, yes, I know. <laughs> so. Ah, uh, friends. Athletes have a different sense of yeah, humor sometimes. Yeah. We do. Like everybody else would be like, that's so wrong. I'm like, mm. it is, but it's funny. Like, right. you know, and it, it sparked me to recover and get out of my, really my funk. Sure. Because I was angry. Yeah. I mean, it's not what you want to have happen. I mean, you trained intensely for mm-hmm. many years. That's one of the goals. And then you aren't able to attain it. Yep. And when you're a gold setter, and you have that mindset and you're not able to reach it. But I tell people, you know, you talk about goal setting and it's interesting. This is what I tell people is I achieved the goal I set because in my mind, I didn't understand goal setting at the time. I would always say, Hey, I want to play on the women's national team. It would be fantastic. Like I reached that goal. My stupid butt should have been saying, I'm going to win multiple gold medals and I'm going to win world cup medals. But no one taught me that. We didn't have, Mm. you know, success coaches. We didn't have those people Mm -hmm. coming in saying, this is how you set goals. It was just more like, oh, that would be really cool. (laughs) And, and I mean, that's really what it was. Like I was the kid that I did one day. I painted the huge U S soccer symbol on my wall above my bed. Not like, oh, a little one. I'm talking probably eight feet wide by like it covers a wall. It did. Yeah. My parents were angry. Like I didn't tell them I was doing it. They were angry, but you know, so when I would sleep or when I would lay down on my bed, that's what I saw constantly. And my posters were covered with national team stuff. And I would always say, gosh, I really would love to play on the national team. Again, you get what the goal is you set. Right. And looking back, that's why 
I tell my kids, don't make the same mistake I did. And they're like, but mom, you know, yours was, you know, you had this issue with your legs or whatever. I said, yeah, but I achieved my goal. It's what I said, but it's not what I wanted. Right. You guys say what you want, not yeah. what you think. And and it's, I tell people that all the time, like you can't settle for thinking it's okay to just say, well, wouldn't it be great if I had a new car? Well, guess what? There's like some Pinto out there that you could have. That's a new car. Or do you really want the that Porsche Lamborghini? or Lamborghini? Yeah, you know what right. I'm saying? And so for me, I, I learned, yep, I got what I said. It's not what I wanted. And so it is a tough pill to swallow, but I, I can't be upset with anybody. Sure. You sure. got to move on. You know, if you live in your past, you don't, you miss your entire future. Sure. And so it, that really fueled me going forward where it was like this aha moment of, okay. I, I get it. I, I get it now. I see it. So my senior year, at um, high school or at, Carolina? In college, okay. at Carolina. Uh, you know, I, when I was playing, actually physically playing my senior year, they had just started the Women's Professional League as well. Okay. So it was year one of the Professional League was my senior year. So by year two, I was ready to come out and be drafted. So I kept telling everybody, I'm going to be in the first round. I'm going to be a number one, one round draft pick. And everybody's like, okay, Danielle. But I have learned. I learned my lesson. And... Anson was great about when we set goal, you know, we would set goals with him, sit down in his office. And that was a coach. It was. Right. And he'd say, okay, what's your goal? What do you want? And then he's like, well, that seems really attainable and easy now, doesn't it? If you like said something and you're like, okay, Captain Obvious, but but that's what you needed sometimes is somebody to be like, that's not even a challenge. Right. Like, look at what you've done. Right. And so I said it to him and he's like, okay, well, what do you got to do about it? I was like, and this was before my senior year started. Like that was my goal is by the time my senior mm-hmm. year was over, I was going to be in the first round drafted. And he's like, well, then you better have a phenomenal senior, senior year. year. Sure. I was like, okay, done. <laughs> and, but that's really what it was is being told this is what you got to do. And it's not going to be easy. I think there are people that choose to take the easy road. I will you know, go climb that mountain, go do whatever, because people are like, that's really hard to do. I'm like, okay, well, let's see if it can be done. Why do you think people don't do that? Like, what are they, is is it a fear? Is that they don't know? They don't understand? My belief is fear of failure because, or being judged. Because if you tell somebody, this is what I'm going to do and you don't do it, then everybody looks at you like, well, I thought you were going to do that. Well, there are so many times Mm -hmm. that, I will go after something and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. As long as I'm trying every single day, I'm not a failure. I'm not a failure until I stop trying. I mean, and that's what it comes down to is I might not have hit it at that moment, that goal, that time I set for myself. So if it takes me another year, it took me another year, but I did it. But it's still an investment into it. Right. I mean, and and for me, it's more about growing every day. Mm -hmm. And I think I had my aha moment when somebody told me one time a a plant can only grow as big as the pot it's in to get a bigger pot. So yeah. And then you got to grow more and then, you know, I can't expect an or oak get a plot tree. of land. Yeah. <laughs> I can't expect that Oak tree to be huge. And like, you know, these 200 year Oaks right. that we have around us, if yeah. I've got it in, in know, a pot, a, a tense, right. you know, inch pot, it's, it's going to have to be set free. And I also looked at it as like, okay, if I missed my mark because I wasn't specific, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure I never do that again. And that's really what it comes down to for me is embrace the suck, embrace the failure and know that 
you can try tomorrow. Sure. Because, sure. I, I mean, we all have the same amount of time. We just don't know what that time is. <sighs> right? Like, Amen I, to that. I, I don't know what that time is. I mean, you know, fast forward for me, I was coaching out at the University of Arizona for soccer um, and literally sitting at a red light and got hit from behind. My entire world changed. Yeah. Like the kids are in the car with me, suffered a traumatic brain injury. It took me, I'd say, about four and a half, five years to recover from that. And that's when I sort of really started to realize, I don't know how much time I have. Like that could have been it in that moment. Or, you know, God said to me, hey, you got more time. This is what you got now. Or, hey, shook me a little bit and said, you got a little bit off path there. So so prior to that, Mm -hmm. you were already very focused, gold setter, you know, I want A, so I'm going to go after A. The accident happens. That doesn't really change, or in terms of the goal setting, what changed in terms of either the approach or how you view it? Uh, what, what was different? I was just trying to hold all of my stuff together after the accident. Okay. I mean, I was having rage issues. Not like, oh, I'm angry. No, rage. Like, I could be smiling, laughing, and then all of a sudden... I On a dime. Just, yeah, I could feel it coming up and it would just come out on, on things that Nick would look at me like, that's my husband. He'd mm-hmm. be like, what? what, what was that about? I'm like, I don't know. And I mean, that, like you couldn't even explain it to I your own self. I couldn't yeah. explain it. And I mean, I was not sleeping. I, I think I went like three and a half weeks of maybe sleeping an hour, hour wow. and a half a night. Post-accident. Yes. Yeah. And so my entire world was flipped and I was struggling through that. Mm. And in that time, like post-accident, I, f- I wasn't thinking goal setting. I wasn't thinking goal achieving. I was thinking survival. survival. That's what it was. I was surviving. Yeah. Like, can I survive today? And my aha moment of, okay, I've got to get better, was it was shortly after Junior Seau, who played football yeah. for the Chargers, um, he had committed suicide. He had shot himself sure. in the chest yeah. because he wanted to preserve his brain for science so they could they could study the whole post concussion right, concussive right. syndrome. And I heard about it and I was like sort of shook me to the core and I looked at Nick and I said, I understand why he did it. Mm. And Nick Nick looked at me and me he's like, Are you having these thoughts? I said, No, I but I, I understand But I get it, yeah. Because when you're in this constant anger rage, yeah, you can't sleep. They're giving you medicine for sleeping, which causes depression. And they're giving you depression medicine, which causes you to not sleep. And then they're giving you, you know, I mean, I had a pillbox of stuff that I was like, I'm, I don't feel like me anymore. Yeah. I was like, I understand. And that's hard to explain to somebody. Yeah. You know, because it's very organic. It's coming from, well, you don't know where it's coming from. You know, you know that I'm different from what I when I was before the accident. And now I don't even know how to explain it to folks. And, and it got so bad at one point that I actually, I had a rage issue. I was brushing my daughter's hair and all of a sudden she went, ow, mommy, that hurt. I mean, she was seven, six at the time, six, six or seven. And I remember all of a sudden I was like, oh, like I could just feel it. And I gripped the brush and I smacked the brush on the edge of the counter because I, at least I had enough sense. I was like, don't hurt my child. Like I, I had that sense in me, smacked the brush on the counter, broke the brush, chipped the counter. And Caitlin's, her eyes got huge. And she looked at me and I, I you, as a parent, you can't forget that fear they had. Nick came running in cause she's crying mm-hmm. at this point. 
And he's like, what happened? I was like, just take her and go. And he's like, okay. And he's trying to figure out what happened. And she, he calms her down. She goes out to play. And my, my lowest, darkest moment was I looked at him. I said, take the kids and, and the dogs, leave me. Don't tell me where you are. You didn't sign up for this. You didn't ask for this. Mm. I don't know if I can ever get better. Mm. And I mean, I was like on the ground crying hysterically. And he picked me up and he said, hopefully the audience is okay with this. He said, get your shit together. This is not you. Set a goal and figure it out. And I was like, okay. And it's, I mean, it shook me to the core. And he goes, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. He goes, you're going to get through this. He goes, whatever it takes, you're going to figure it out and you're going to get through this. He goes, you know, of all people, how to, to, to do the impossible. Sure. So do it now. Yeah. And I mean, like I get the chills because he did, he had an out. He could have taken the out. He could have taken the easy out. And instead he's, he said, no, I mean, and it wasn't an easy battle. No. I mean, and it was years of, of therapy and rehab and vision therapy. And I jokingly tell people it was shock therapy. It was not, <laughs> they use like electrodes to help rewire my brain properly and working on meditation mm-hmm. and calming myself and, and really setting goals in a whole different way. I thought goals were set goals for sports or, Hey, I want an A let's set a goal for school. And that was life. It, yeah. It was changing my entire medical outlook my my whole life was set a goal figure it out like and when he said that about set a goal get it together figure it out I was like okay did that flip a switch it did it it lit a fire in me that I think was still burning but it was it was it was there it was there it was just so deep and it was like almost out you know what I mean like yeah no it was just dwindling at that point like it was saying I'm here Danielle I'm still here like I'm I'm in there and when he said that to me it was okay now let's light the fire yeah and and get after it and and it wasn't Hey, like I said, it wasn't that moment. It wasn't like I had this like epiphany. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a miracle cure. It wasn't easy. It took money. It took work. It did. And I was like, okay, if that, if the the vision therapist is telling me this is my vision therapy homework, which never in a million years did I think I would have to have a circle on the wall that I was like taking a ruler and somebody behind me, like with one eye closed was saying, you know, E, A, circle whatever sure, it was and I'd sure. have to hit it with the ruler yeah. as fast as I could and they would time it. So for me it became can I do it faster today? Can I do it faster today? So we made games out of the sure, homework sure. because deep down inside I'm a competitor. Yeah. Let's compete. And so it was like okay when I went back she's like man you've had great improvements. I'm like is anybody else having these improvements? <laughs> she's back. <laughs> and so you know it, it it was it was fun and but it was challenging because it was learning my colors again. Like I could look at something and be like, oh, that's orange. And everybody's like, dude, that's, that's green. Like what, what are you doing? But all perspective. I know. And at this time, you know, after we were in Arizona, we moved to Georgia and I was coaching and I had to explain to the girls on my team, look, sometimes I may say things incorrectly, just figure it out, roll with it, go with it. And I would, I'd be like, Hey, everybody pick up the pink cones. And they're looking around like, there's no pink cones. Like, what is she talking about? And they're like, coach, do you mean the yellow cones? I'm like, yeah, those ones right there. there. And they're like, okay. But once I really started to get it back and, and start to read again and start to really control my anger, um, 
I think it was it was okay. And what is it that Ariana Grande Ariana Grande song like Thank You Next? Oh, right. Like right. that's where I was like, okay, thank you for this. Next, Let, thing, next thing, I'm ready to move on. Like, and it, it is good. the The bad part of that is is there are huge chunks that I lost due to short term memory, mm-hmm. but. I'm thinking I wasn't supposed to remember that anyways. <laughs> like, it's kind of like when we have stuff in storage for a long time yeah. that we don't use. And, yep. then, and then you just give it away. Then you just give it away. And so I think I wasn't really supposed to like remember all of that. I was just supposed to remember maybe like the hard work side of things. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. I can say, okay, I got through that. Like I can, I can do that. Now, now bring on the next thing. So. Now, are you, are you, something like that is something you always have to work on, you know, just like, with a sport, with a skill, you have to constantly practice it, work it out, you know, keep tweaking it. Is that something that's still happening? It yeah. is. So for me, it is. I would imagine it's a little easier. It's, it's easier now, but I would say the biggest thing for me is constantly meditating still mm. because it keeps Being me still. calm and it keeps me focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, you know, this is the part you're going to love. Running <laughs> helped me a lot because... I started running differently. I went from fitness, soccer, to, okay, let's go out and run, you know, eight, 10 miles, sure. whatever it is. I will tell you, even though soccer players, like my position, at, at, when I was at Carolina, they, they tested us one time and they figured out like we had this um, biomechanics. Your VO2 or did yeah, you? Okay. Well, no, they did that, but they also had a biomechanics oh, guy sure. come in okay. and they would test how many miles we would run in a game. Oh, sure. And I could easily like put 12. in, yeah. But if you <laughs> told me marathon. go run twelve miles, I'd be like, Bleh. like, come on, like, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. Who, who's crazy enough to do that? Um, you know, I, I'm good. But the whole mental side of things, running helped me stabilize because it cleared any issues I had. So it was meditative. It was, and that's where if I got really started to feel myself get angry. I'm like, I'm going for a run. Nick's like, okay, that was random. Like, but I would go out for a mile or two and then come back but and be would, better. It would and feel better. Right. And so it was sort of the family joke. Then like I'd get upset and they're like, do you need to run? I'm like, ha ha funny. And then I'm like, actually, yes, I do. Yes, I'll, I do. Be I'll, be right. I'll be back in two hours. So, and, and that's sort of what was good about it is that started, I think my transition from soccer into running ish. I said ish because I still wasn't like whole keen on the like, why do people run long distance? Um, didn't quite get that. <laughs> well, let's let <laughs> let's pivot at the ish then, because okay, you're you have a successful soccer career. You do very well at North Carolina. I believe you guys won two champion two national championships. Two national, two runners up. Right. So you're four years there. You're in the game all four years. Yes. Okay. Started and played every game. So then, like you said, you went, then from there you went to the University of Arizona? Uh, to coach, yes. Right. And, and then from Arizona, you came to the Golden Isles. Is that right? Yes. Okay. There was a move in West Virginia at one point there, but that's okay. Okay. Wait, we don't need to get that. We, we don't. That's okay. All right. You. What year was that? That I moved to the Golden Isles? Oh, goodness gracious. That would have been... Because the kids were in elementary school, right? They were going into... They would have been... We moved Christmas Day, like literally moved Christmas yeah. Day in an RV. <laughs> totally funny. Um, but we moved Christmas Day, and it was 2000, and they would have been in kindergarten. Nine? 2010? I, I, I think eight. 
Oh, really? No, hold on. Ten. Wait, how old are they now? We moved here in 07. No, I think it was 2011. Okay. So it was like December 25th, 2011. Okay. We come rolling up in the RV. <laughs> in the RV. Yep, I'm going to keep saying that. But, right, because I, 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 that was definitely where we first met, or I knew of you um, and would see you running on the island. And so going back to the ish, <laughs> so you have this very successful career as a soccer player. You're a successful coach at, at Arizona. You move here. You know, I probably know 99% of the runners in Glynn County just by nature of what I do. And I'm always interested and intrigued when I see a new a, a runner whose um, form I don't recognize. Because from about a mile away, if I see you running, I could probably tell who it is. And what's interesting and why I really was wanting to chat with you for many reasons, but the one, and I think people will better understand how you set this goal, having heard that first part of, of the conversation, is when someone takes up running, in your case, you take it up as something meditative, something to help you with, you know, deal with, 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 with the rage and all the issues that you were dealing with, you know, they might start running and go, okay, I want to run a 5k. I want to do a 10k. So they do that. And then they might say, okay, I want to be the, I want to be challenged with a half marathon. Okay. So then they do that and then they might do a marathon and then that might be it. Um, you know, for me, you know, I've been running since high school, cross country, collegiate, you know, post collegiate and have done fun runs to ultra marathons. But for me, it was a very, it was a long progression over many, many years. You decided one day to wake up and go, you know what? I'm going to do a hundred mile ultra marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that, Danielle. Um, why, <laughs> how, why that? Why? I, will... I mean, I understand the allure the challenge. Um, but for me, again, very, you know, I did a marathon. Then I thought, okay, I don't want to do a marathon anymore. I'm going to do a 50K. Enjoyed it. Then did a 50 miler. Then I thought, now I'm going to do a 100 miler. You know, and for me, that's just how my process works. You know, once I kind of mastered one, I'm going to move up to the next one. You're like, you know what? I see the moon. Let's go get it. I will say... <laughs> I did run one 5K before that. Dolphin Day? Dolphin Day. <laughs> Didn't plan on running it. My kids were running it. Quite literally, my daughter looks at me and said, come on, Mom, run with me. And I said to her, sweetheart, if I run with you, I'm not going to stay with you. And she said, but Mom, we can run. This will be fun together. Hence the reason it's supposed to be like a fun, <laughs> fun run. run. Um, was it the 5K? It was the 5K. Okay. And I kept telling her, we're at the start line at this point. I'm like, I really, if I'm going to run this, I want to win it. Like, I'm not, I'm not in this to just like casually run. I'm like, sweetheart, um, you know, and I had just came off an injury too. So it was like, I hadn't been running that much. I'm like, look, if I'm going to go out, I'm going out guns blazing. I'm going to win this thing. She's like, but just run with me. And I was like, fine. You know, sort of like begrudgingly said it. And I think it was right before like the little go gun went off. She looked at me and she went, go win it, mom. And I was like, done. <laughs> so I did not win and I came in second place. I lost by four seconds. But um, <laughs> we'll just move on from that one. But I will say that was my first one. 
And really what it came down to was I really hadn't planned on running that race. It was more or less like, please run with me and, you know, getting caught in like mm-hmm. the mommy side of things. Right. Like, okay, fine. Um, I did that and I would say, I mean, goodness, they, that was, I'd say at least four years ago. Okay. And so it's not like I was like, okay, let's run another one. Yeah. They kept asking me, are you going to run again? No, I'm good. And really for the longest time running was just for me. Yeah. It wasn't about you know competing against other people sure. or whatever else it was a me thing and it was going out there running for me the reason i decided to do 100 miles is my husband kept saying you know like it would be really fun to do 100 miles i think i'm gonna do it and i think i'm gonna do it and then finally one day i was like well if you can't stop talking about it i'm just gonna go do it myself because he has it right no he has not <laughs> and he was like haha funny you're not gonna do that and i was like watch, watch me. me now <laughs> And that's Does what it came not? down to. Like, and, and he knows how to push my buttons. He does. And I think deep down inside, he was like, I'm going to make Dan. I'm going to make her do this. And so it's one of those things when people are like, oh, I don't, I don't really know if you can do that. And I'm like, you just lit a fire. Thank you very much. So went out, started training. And what um, year was this? This was, this would have been, let's see here. Hold on. 18 or 19, 19, 19, 19, because I was going to, we did 19, 20. I don't think they had it, obviously, due to COVID. Right, right. So it was December of 19. That's right, that's right. And then everything really hit the fan. Right, right. And so I went out. And which one, remind us again which one it was. I ended up doing the Daytona 100. Oh, that's right, down in Florida. So it's Jacksonville to Daytona Beach. Daytona, right. Ponce and Lent is what it was. It's a great run. You know, as oh yeah, as no, it's fantastic. Don't you know. trip and sprain your ankle. And <laughs> we'll get to that part. <laughs> um, but it, it's a fantastic run, and it was good. But I think what it was is I I was ready for a new challenge. I was ready for something. And when Nick different. says, "I don't think you can do it," you're like, "Okay, watch this." Mm-hmm. So it became the running joke where all of his no friends, pun intended. I know all of his friends would come in, and they're like. I was like, hey, good to see you guys. I, I've got to go run. I'll Six be back hours. Like, I'll be right back. Yeah, I'll be back. I got a long run. <laughs> and they would, I would finish and they're like, oh, did Nick meet you along the way? Ha ha ha. I'm like, no. And so it was like this running joke. Like, is he in the woods? Like, is he running behind you? Because, you know, he kept saying, well, I'm going to do it too with her. Yeah. He wasn't training. So I was like, yeah, right. You're not going to do this. Like, come on. Like, you can't just go out, no training and decide I'm going to go do this. No. It's not a good idea. No. That, that's like my caution cautionary tale yes. right there don't don't just go do it without trying to, to train for it so started training all the time i mean that's the great thing when you decide you're gonna run 100 miles is you really do have to train there's only one way to do it time. you gotta run you gotta run you gotta run a lot you do and it you it, and eventually get to the point where you're like oh it's only 12 miles this weekend awesome like when you it doesn't seem that long no it doesn't but when you first start you're like it seems oh. like forever but but you like pump through it and you're like, Oh, I can get this done in an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes. I'm in and out. I'm done. Like, and that was like this last weekend. I was happy because it was 12 miles followed up by 10 the next day. And I was like, like, this is easy. easy. Like, yay. (laughs) Meanwhile, the kids on TJ's team, his baseball team, they see me running and they think I'm like insane. They're like, they're always asking what's going on with you. We have to run around the the diamond (laughs) once and we're dying. Yeah, pretty much. And Danielle's running three miles or 24 laps or 24 miles around, you know, while he's practicing and they have no idea. Yeah. Just, it's a, it's a whole different game and it's a whole different mental challenge. So, so Nick challenges you. Mm-hmm. 
And you're locked in. I am. Okay, you're locked in. It's like, I'm just going to train for this. I'm registered. Did you register right away? No. Did you? No. No. Did you, did you think to yourself, I have to put in a certain amount of training before I register? Did you know you wanted to do that one? I didn't know I wanted to do okay. that one. Okay, okay. Um, it was more or less, okay, I'm going to say I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. I gave myself like a year and a half to train for it, which was way too much time. Like I got to the point in my training was like, I'm bored. Okay. I should have, I you were being challenged. should have ran a race. But then all of a sudden it was like, he's like, well, hey, the D- Daytona 100, it would be easy as far as we only have to drive an hour and a half. Logistically, it's yes. yeah, right down like, the road. Not the run itself, <laughs> but but the the idea of driving, you know, it's an hour and a half away. Okay. Then when we get there, you know, we'll stay a hotel here and then we can get to the next hotel. Like and it, it was like, okay, well, that did make sense. For the crew, it's... It's it's, it's much easier Exactly, for them. exactly. And, and that's what it really came down to. So I registered for the race, I think, two weeks before the race itself. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm like that kind of person where it's like, oh, you're going out of town? <laughs> for you kids at home, do not try this <laughs> at home. <laughs> I, I know. I think it came down to back to like my national team stuff where everything was always scheduled as far as hotels and travel and whatever else. So... When I have to do my own hotels or travel, it's more last minute. I'm like, oh, wait, I haven't booked that hotel yet. And it's because I think I always had people that said, this is where you're going. This is where you're staying. It came down to that, not out of fear of like, well, what if I can't do it? Or it was more or less just, oh, wait, I think I'm hitting deadline. I might want to register now. So that that's really what it came down to. <laughs> so the training, you're running, you're fit, you decide I'm going to sign up. <clears throat> And I know we could we could do an easily an hour on the training part of it, um, but I'm really I I really want to hear the story because it's a it's a it's a fascinating story. So, like, take us up to race day, day before you guys get there, and then ready, set, go. Well, in typical Center House fashion, <laughs> we we leave. So registration was the night before so race the race day is on a saturday registration was friday night um i wanted to leave at like one o'clock so that i had plenty of time check into the hotel whatever else i think we left at like four o'clock in the afternoon in the afternoon okay i think we left at like four o'clock in the afternoon registration was at like six Mm. well we hit traffic traffic and I am like, where it said like registration closes at six. Fit to be tied. I'm like, right. you've got to be kidding me. I don't need to be stressing out right now. I need to get some sleep. I'm right, running tomorrow. Right, right. And so I think I was like the second to last person to walk into the registration room <laughs> and get my stuff. And I was like looking at everything they had. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I got everything. The kids are like, we need a shirt. I was like, well, I don't want a shirt. And TJ looks at me. He's like, well, I do. So I buy him a shirt, like all of this kind of thing. And then they sit down and you have like the welcome to right. the race talk. And he's going through and he's talking about the race and the course and it should be great weather. And, you know, then he says, how many of you, this is your first time ever doing a hundred. I raise my hand and I'm like looking around. There's like 10 of us first time. I'm like, oh. Gross. And the field was how big? We had, let's see here. How many runners did we have? It was a larger race. I mean, I would say we had at least 200 plus runners. Okay. 250. For the 100? For the 100. Because I think they also the, have a 50. Uh, they had a 50 they... as well. Actually, we might have had 250 total in. Okay. They had the 50 and the 100. 
So in the room itself. So there, I mean, it was we were inside the hotel right. conference room, and he's talking, and you know, has other ultra marathon members sure. stand up, and I'm like looking at him, I'm like. I don't have purple hair. Am I supposed to have purple hair? Like that lady's got purple hair. And like, I mean, it's just a whole, you get it's it. A different runners vibe. get yeah. it. It's a different yeah. thing. And runners and soccer players, yeah. they're a whole different vibe, different <laughs> everything. And, you know, they're going through it all. And then right as he's about to dismiss us, he goes, oh, by the way, it's a 101 mile race. Oh, geez. He goes, what's that extra mile? You know what? When you are running and you're thinking this is my last mile and you have another mile, it is a lot. Yeah. Especially when the last... Of the last three miles, two and a half of it are on the sand Ugh, because you run that's right. on the sand. That's right. That 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 that's messed. That's up. not fun. Yeah. No, that's yeah. messed up. During high tides, you're right. running in the soft sand <laughs> on a sprained ankle. Yeah. Um, I just remember like thinking to myself, "What kind of person does this?" Yeah. And then I thought to myself, that's well, "Sadistic little." <laughs> I signed up for this, so I'm not any better. Right. Right. And I was like, "Okay, here we go." Um, go back you know, after that, try to eat, wasn't hungry. Nick looked at me and he's like, dude, you need a big meal tonight. Like you got to eat something. I'm like, I'm not hungry. He's like, okay, you know, good luck to you type thing where I think it was just nerves. Like this is my first time doing this. And I'm like the rookie. There's 10 other people that it's their first time. And you know, everybody knows each other. It's like the secret society of runners and I'm not a part of it yet. And you don't know the handshake yet. I did not. And nor did I know like the ins and outs of everything. So, so what time, what, what time does the race start? What was 5am or was it, it 6 was a 6am start time. Okay. So real quickly, what was your gear? What were you, what were you for, for the running geeks out there? What was the, the setup? Um, I didn't get too fancy. I wasn't worried <laughs> about, I mean, I had my camelback. Okay. I had that on at all times. We had three different camelbacks that I would switch out. Okay. Uh, so that. With the water res- with, with reservoir? The, with the water reservoir. Okay. Reservoir. I know. See, that I know. Sounds and so that way I had something to drink at all times. And then I had my crew, which was Nick and the kids. Right. Right. And then later he was awesome. Uh, one of Nick's buddies that I'm, I'm, you know, we're friends with and stuff like that. He came, he had drove that night. He was on his way back. He was up in like new England, just got back into the golden Isles, back into Georgia wow. Had found out that I injured my ankle. Um, while I don't, don't give it that okay. part away. <laughs> Well, what shoes were you wearing? What, what shoes, were? shoes were I, was I wearing? I was wearing, uh, I was wearing Brooks. Brooks, okay. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I've gone back and forth on shoes, and I'm I'm back into Brooks. Brooks. I tried uh, the Ultras for a mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. with the bigger toe mm-hmm. box, which was great, but they they changed the design a little bit so that it rubbed my toe wrong, like just completely raw one day where. Ooh. 10 miles into the run. It's supposed to be a long run day. Sure. I think I was supposed to have 22 that day. And I, as I was running, I was like at eight miles, I was like, I feel like I'm only supposed to do 10 today. I'll do 22 tomorrow. Thank goodness I decided that because I came back and like my whole sock, everything was it's bloody. I, yeah. And I didn't feel it because after a while you, it just, you don't you're numb to it. it. Yeah. <clears throat> and so then I swapped it. So the next day, you know, but I stick with Brooks, you know, I had my, I think I had Belega socks on. Because I used to work for a while at Fleet Feet Sports. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all the running people out sure, there probably sure. know them. And so I knew stick with a sock without the whole seam, the right. whole toe, all right. that stuff. Um, actually, I think the Nike shorts I have on now, I, I started out the race in. <laughs> um, and just a whole heck of a lot of Boudreaux's butt rub. Okay. Butt yeah, paste. Yeah. I had it <laughs> yep. all over me. Like my, anywhere that there was potential rubbage, rubbage yeah. 
I had it. You got to a T. You got to lube it. I was, yeah. I was all over the place because, you know, I tried skin lube and whatever else, but I found that nothing works like the Boudreaux's butt paste. Like, it hey, for if me, it works. And it doesn't come off. Like, you know how the other stuff starts to rub yep. off? Well, this is like the extra strength or super strength. That sucker doesn't go anywhere. So, I mean, you know, it was all over my sports bra, mm-hmm. everything. And every time that we would have a quick snack break or if I was stopping for whatever reason, then the kids or Nick would like rub me with more Boudreaux. Right. Like it, it was almost comical. Um, but started off the race with a, you know, just a regular running top. moisture. And you just, and just had water in water. Okay. And then, well, I and did, goo, have, did you do goo? Did you I do gel? I do goo. Goo makes me not have a good stomach. Okay. I did a lot of, uh, go-go squeezes. Okay. The little yeah, apple yeah, yeah, squeezes. Yeah. Um, and then I also did a uh, beat elite. Yeah. So I had the beat elite sure. and that would, that would come out. And then towards the middle to the end of the race, I would also do, uh, not liquid IV. There's another one that's just like that, sure. that like the military actually right, uses. Right. And so I would swap those in. Okay. So my whole thing is, is again, soccer and running are completely different. Soccer, you don't really eat Mm-mm. during that at all. You don't. I mean, you, you, you don't need to, up, you don't water. Sure. I mean, when you get it. yeah, we might like, you know, they weren't cutting us oranges back when we <laughs> ate soccer when we were playing professionally. It was more or less like, okay, you knew what to do now. So I had to really get used to eating while running. Um, so anything that was more liquidy that could go in and I was could just better. burn it, it was better yeah. for me though. Towards the end of the race, I did eat a chicken quesadilla, which <laughs> hey, is funny. When you get deep into the race, let me tell you. And I'm not a meat eater. Like I usually 99% like vegetarian, borderline vegan. And all of a sudden the kids were like, what do you want? I was like, a chicken quesadilla. And they were like, are you okay? I was like, just get me a chicken quesadilla. (laughs) Mom wants a chicken quesadilla. Um, But that was really what it was. And, you know, towards the end of the race, I think I changed full outfits three times because I I sweat a lot. Well, it's also, I mean... People need to realize December in the Southeast Florida, oh, it's still humid. It's a wild. It may day. not be hot, yeah, but it's going to be humid, yeah. And that's that's just as bad as 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 it being hot, yeah. And know? and that was just it. Like it, it was, I you know sweated through the first outfit, and then the second one, it was like okay. And you know why I had to change from outfit two into outfit three was it started to change temperatures. Like sure. It was getting cold. Colder. Now sure. we're in the middle, like, you know, you run all day in the sun with the, the humidity. And I mean, it got up to 70. Yeah. So good temperature. Sure. But when you're out there for a while with the humidity, yeah. you it'll know, in get you Florida, yeah. it'll get you. Yeah, it'll get you. Um, so what was the race plan? So 6 a.m. start, you're, 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 you're at the start line. What's, what's the strategy? What, what are you thinking? What's, what's going to be, what, what am I aiming for? All of a sudden when I was sitting there, I was like, okay, I can't just go out out like a bat out of hell. Like I've got to. Well, it's a hundred miles, not a five k. Yeah, you know, like this isn't like a go win the five k. Right. So, I mean, my my average time when I run, you know, twenty. Like your training pace. Plus mile, yeah. My training pace is typically like a seven forty five. Okay. Like that's I can do twenty miles at a seven forty five pace. Okay. Like that's that's comfortable. Sure. I'm I'm not straining and you know sometimes it's faster times sometimes it's slower but it usually will average out to about a 745 sure, sure. and i was like okay if i run a 745 i'm gonna have a great race and i was like going <laughs> yeah. back and forth and i was like okay well 
world record is, is I'd have to run a 715 pace the whole time. And I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't set that the first. This is literally the conversation I'm having in my head at like 5 a.m. As I'm eating a McDonald's Egg McMuffin. (laughs) Um, Because nothing is open that early. Right, right. And so I'm like, okay, going back and forth in my head. And then finally it dawned on me, okay, run between nine to a nine minute to a nine thirty mm-hmm. pace. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then get faster at the end. I was like, okay, if you start off at nine thirty and then you drop it after the, the going into the second mm-hmm. 50 to mm-hmm. a nine minute mile, mm-hmm. you'll have a great race. Mm-hmm. So that's what I started with. It's funny. It was like torturous in the beginning. Like I felt. You're slower. Yes. Yeah. It's and not I what you're used to. It. Yeah. And so my body was used to like, just go, mm-hmm. but I will tell you, I'm glad I always, I'm glad I did it that way because I was used to training faster. It's easier to train, to run slower than it is to decide the day of the race to run faster. Oh, absolutely. Because you've never ran that speed. (laughs) So, you know, everything was great. I'm running and, you know, my crew was checking me in, which was, like I said, my husband Mm -hmm. and my kids. And because there were some stops that you had to sort of go up off the Mm -hmm. trail to check in. But Mm -hmm. they said, if you have your crew, they can check you in. That's great. The checkpoints along the, the race yes, route. Right? Because, man, I'm telling you what, another 20 steps up and 20 steps back, like that adds up after a while. Sure, right? yeah. So they would check me in, keep going, and everything was smooth. Everything was great. At mile 50, I was... The- so from, from start to mile 50, you're moving along great. Legs are turning over great. The boudros is working. You're... Everything, everything is, is, is clicking. You're, yep. you're having a great day. The only hang-up I had was is we were running through Old St. Augustine. Okay. And they have a drawbridge. Oh, that's right. That's and the right. bridge was up. <laughs> that is not what no you special want. consideration. No, and they were running. having a Christmas parade. <laughs> so they brought it to the the race director's attention the night before, and he's like, "Well, let's face it; it's only going to affect about maybe eight or nine of you. The rest of you, it won't bother you at all." Well, when you're one of the eight it, or nine that it, it affects and you're bobbing and weaving between people and you're trying to get them out of your way and then there's like the entire sidewalk is traffic jammed. And what mile was this, the bridge? Oh, I'd say probably like 30 miles in. Okay. You know, and you don't want to stop. Right. Like you don't want to have to you're, stop. You're at that rhythm. point in a race, you're in, yeah, exactly. You're in a rhythm. So, and this is flat. This is so you're able to get into a good rhythm and you're clipping and you're finding that rhythm and then boom it stops it stops like complete halt bridges up you can't go and like all of the boats because part of the parade for christmas was we had the boats and whatever else and i'm like oh my gosh and i was at that point i think the fourth runner overall the first female okay so i knew i was in the lead Uh and but i knew she that the girl someone was hot on your heels Yeah. yeah And I'm like, this is not what I need. Like, right. if I could have been on the other side of the bridge, this would have been then fantastic. Then you feel good, yeah. You're like, yeah. let her get caught. Right. So I didn't know. I'm like, come on. So the bridge finally starts to go down slowly. Like, in my mind, I could see, like, <laughs> can I jump it? You're good. Can exactly. I go? Can I, like, get from one end to the other before they... they if I judge the incline right. Yes. Can I run it? <laughs> like, you know, thinking of that car scene. Of, like, right, them. right. Boom, boom. So TJ jumps out in front of me, and he's like, Mom, I got this. He's, like, literally pushing people out of the way. And I'm like, sorry, in a race. Excuse me, in a race. And oh, because like, you're, it, it's, there isn't a special area for the runners. No. You're with the public Correct. and with the parade, the cars, everything. everything. <laughs> so he's like pushing people and they're like, hey, boy. And I'm like, sorry, he's with me in a race. race like, race. sorry, sorry. You know, and then they see my, you know, the race band, number. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Um, and then we get through that. I mean, that, that took me, I'd say, another six or seven miles to get back in a mental frame of mind again. Because here we are. Because you lost that rhythm. Yeah. Completely, because you got stopped at the bridge, 
And then the whole time I'm like, I know she's right behind me. I know she's right behind me. When you're feeling it, you can, yeah, exactly. Um, but other than that, the first 50 was going great and then not so much, but I, (laughs) I finished, I should say I crossed the 50, 50 mile mark, um, in eight hours and one minute. Yeah. That's stout. I mean, I was feeling great. Yeah. Um, and it was, I will say it was, I did have a moment though, because all of a sudden without him meaning it, Nick looked at me and he's like 50 down, 50 more to go. Trying to be a good cheerleader. That was the worst thing you could say to somebody. <laughs> it's be- like when people cheer at a marathon, you're almost there. You're almost And you're there. like at mile two. You're like, <laughs> no, I'm not. But so when he was like 50 down, 50 more to go, like all of a sudden I was like, <gasps> I like had a mental breakdown. Yeah. And he like looked at me and he's like, get it together. <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. And like... He pretty much, he's like, pull your head out of your butt. Like, what is your problem? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I didn't need to hear that. And then he like looked at me and, he, and I like pulled it together. And he's like, are you good now? I said, yeah, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. He's like, what was that about? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, did you go to the dark side? I was like, I yeah. did. I did for a moment. I'm like, thank you. I was like, you sent me to the dark side. And um, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it until I actually started the race. Sure. There is a dark side you can go to. Yeah. You can get deep in your mind. <laughs> yeah. You can get, you can go to some ugly places. <laughs> yeah. We're like, you're like, man, if I just accidentally fell, then I wouldn't have to keep running. Like these are th- thoughts yeah. that cross your mind. And you're like, where's this coming from? Like, and then in an instant you could be back to, Hey, this is great. Yeah. I love this. I signed up for this. Yeah. You're like smiling, yeah. waving at people like, Hey, how are you? <clears throat> great decorations. And then the next block you're like, ah, I'm going to kill somebody. Yes. But it was just funny because after I crossed it, I went to the dark side for a split second. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. I keep running. Yeah. And Nick's like, well, how about I run with you for a little bit? Because we had other people that joined the, the crew so that he didn't have to drive all the time. I was like, that's fine. You can and that was me. something the race director allowed, the crew right. being there. Yes. That was something that was encouraged and supported. It right. was. So for the first, I think it was the first 15 miles, it was no crew. Okay. Because of how we were through neighborhoods. Oh, sure. And he didn't sure. want stopping. And then after that, because we're running the A1A. Yeah. You know, your crew could stop at any point. Like, you know, every five miles, there was food. Uh, or excuse me. Or every aid five station. miles, there was water. Okay. Like an aid station mm-hmm. for water and, and, you know, like Coke and whatever sure. else. But then on the 10th mile, they actually had a food set. Gotcha. Like, could have been in pretzels, sure. whatever else. You know, and I think it was at miles 20, 20, 40, 60, and 80, there was hot food. Okay. Um, is how they set it up. And so he was like, hey, your your crew can do whatever. Right. They can run. They can, you know, if you need them to run, that's fine. He's like, but I'm telling you, those people that make your crew run like 50 miles, that's messed up. They should have just signed up for the 50 miler, you know. And so I wasn't, I wasn't like, hey, my crew's got to run with me. Like TJ would jump out. He ended up out of the whole hundred, ran like 13 miles total, which I, I'm kudos not su- for him. I'm not surprised yeah. knowing him. <laughs> and and at one point I was like, you have to stop running. He's like, no, I'm good. Well, you know, thankfully he listened and he went back in the car. Well, the next day he was like, I'm so sore. He's like, I didn't really do anything. I'm like, dude, you ran 13 miles, like not all at once, but a mile here and two miles there, it adds up, like totally adds up. And he's like, yeah, my arms are sore. I was like, well, you were elbowing people on the bridge to get him out of my way. <laughs> so He did a... MMA run. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but no, it was good. And then it wasn't. So tell us what happened. Because okay. you're past 50 now. I'm past 50. Everything's great. I um, I was going back and forth. The, the girl and I... Um, we're yo-yoing we were now, right? We were. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she had just passed me. And she's maybe 
10 seconds ahead of me. Okay. You know, like you can see her. I can. Okay. I literally hear her breathing still. (laughs) And talking to Nick, we're running. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) We're running and we're talking and, um, and what mile is this that we're at now? 53. Okay. So you're, you're barely past halfway. Mm -hmm. And, I'm talking to him and all of a sudden my toe clips the sidewalk just right. Cause the sidewalk dipped, like there was a dip in the sidewalk where, where the seams would meet instead of them being flat for the seam, it would dip a little so that the water could run sure, off Sure, and, and whatever, I guess this is Florida engineering at its finest right now, <laughs> but, um, and I, you could run on the sidewalk or the road. Is that what the rules were? What the rules were is if the sidewalk was provided, they wanted you on the sidewalk. Okay. If the sidewalk was not provided, run on the road. Run on the road. Okay. So about half the race was on the road. Okay. Half the race was on the sidewalk. Okay. So you're on the sidewalk now. And running, talking, toe clips, the sidewalk just right. My um, And Nick was running with you at this was. point. Okay. And as it clips, you know, you're in full stride. Yeah. Just I could feel I'm starting to fall. My ankle rolls. I felt the like the complete roll of the ankle hit the ground. You know, he's trying to grab me to stop me. So instead of me like falling really hard, instead of like fell on my side, road rash all up the side, Ugh. you know, my elbows, my arms, the palms of my hand, complete road rash because I like supermaned out. Yeah. And what um, time of the day is this at this point? This You're probably at... is we, the sun is setting. So we're, okay. we're getting, you know, the sun's starting to set. To what, four-ish? Um, oh, no, hold on. No, so like you started at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 3 o'clock? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what time it was. Yeah, the sun was the sun was. I mean, still, December, so yeah. the sun's going down. It, you know, because yeah. you get that yeah. 530, mm-hmm. like the sun's starting to set mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, all of a sudden, I'm like, go down. I could feel my ankle. And I was like, oh, that was a good one. I was like, yep, I haven't felt a sprained ankle like that in a very long time. Mm. And... I try to get back up. Nick's like, just stay down for a moment. And then I could, I'm like, I don't want to stay down. Cause I knew behind me, you know, yeah, I'm running in the race, but in my mind, it, every person, man, woman, they're a competitor. So the guy behind me passes me and I'm like, Oh heck to the no. Like <laughs> I got to get up now. You, you're, you're, Cause you're still on the ground. I'm still on the ground. And he's like, just let me look at your injuries. Let me check out what you've got. And he's like, he goes, Danielle, he goes, you're bleeding pretty good. Like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm just going to bleed. Like, we're not going to wrap it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay. And then I go to stand up and I was like, oh, I can feel my ankle. And he's like, how bad is it? And I'm like, it's pretty good. Yep, I can, I can feel that one. So I start running again. He's like, are you going to run? I said, yeah. So we got about two and a half, almost three miles in. Okay. And tears just streaming down my eyes the entire time. And he's like, Cause it's painful. It's painful. It's okay. painful. Like I'm in pain, like shooting pain, like pit of my stomach could vomit pain. And now, are you, are you favoring that leg? So you're kind of doing that. Trying not to. Okay. But I'm sure I looked totally like right. that. You have, you have, you have a little hitch in your mm-hmm. giddy up as they like to say here in the South. That's right. And so still running. And then Nick's like, Hey, what do you want to do? He goes, this, I mean, at this point, my ankle is the size of my knee. So in like, it is so it swells. swollen yeah. immediately. And you still have 48 miles to go. Uh-huh. 40, yeah. And yeah, I'm thinking to myself, okay, first thing in my mind was, did I break it? Okay. You know, did I chip the bone? Did I break it? Because sure. I mean, it was that painful. That painful. And 
he's like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I signed up for a hundred miles. I'm not finishing at 50. <laughs> and he's like, yep. Okay. <laughs> well, what are we going to do about it? Doesn't I, he know by he now? Does. <laughs> he goes, so what are we going to do about it? I said, tape it. I said, do not take my shoe off. Just tape it. Keep it in the shoe. Keep it in the tape shoe. It. Taped it around the shoe. So we stop. Again, I'm watching like another person pass me and another person So did, me. Did, did, did you guys have a first aid kit or did you have to go step at the we, aid station? And No, we had okay. a first aid kit. Okay. Like we were, I mean, he had IVs. He right, had it right, all. Like right. we had a full setup. <laughs> so we had a surgeon on We call. pretty much did. <laughs> right? Like I'm surprised he didn't like amputate my ankle. But she finished on a stub. <laughs> But so he, he tapes it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to run again. Well, here's the mistake that people will make that I made is okay. 50 plus miles in and you stop and you sit down for a long time. time. You do not want to start again. No. Your leg says, no, thank you. I am done. Yep. Your hamstrings are <laughs> small as get out now. Right. They don't want to move. So I start getting back out there and I try to run. I was like, okay, I can't run. I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk this thing in. Well, I back up to the national team. We would get very competitive on stuff. Okay. Okay. Extremely competitive. Not surprised at all. We would have all different kinds of competitions. Okay. I mean. Well, like the trash picking. Correct. Okay. <laughs> There's roots so to this. Back on the national team. We used to do speed walking competitions okay. where we would follow the Olympic speed walking protocol, right, right. one foot on the ground at right. all times. Yep. Like we knew all of the rules right. Like right. and we would set the rules and compete. Yep. So I went into speed walking competition mode. Okay. And I was like, all right, I've got to, if I'm walking this bad boy in, we're going We're fast. We're walking. We're walking. We're not sachet chante. We're no. walking. So I was walking at this point fully wrapped, like pretty much like a cast yeah. on my foot. Like it couldn't bend my ankle at all, which was good because I probably wouldn't have made it. And as we're going, I am at this point, I think I'm walking like an 11.45 pace. So Not bad. I'm. I was going back into my speed walking yeah. days. Like, bring it. Yeah. Where the kids are like, Mom, like I have to jog to keep up with you. I was like, Let's go. Let's go. I'm like, I am not stopping. So once you got into that rhythm, were you not feeling that anymore? Oh no, I was. You were so- the whole time, <laughs> the, whole the time. entire time. I mean, I think at mile eighty, so we <laughs> we go on, everything's fine. Um, at mile eighty, Nick realizes I'm struggling. Like. Mentally, I'm he, struggling. He realizes you're struggling. I'm struggling. Okay. Not Nick is struggling. No, I'm struggling. Okay. And so our pit crew, like, like I said, the guy that was uh-huh. that had drove from New England, he came in. He was like, he had heard that I had sprained my ankle and he had this new technology, like these bands that you can mm. put it on mm-hmm. as tight as you can and it you let you like whip, like sort of rip it off and it pushes all the swelling out immediately. Gotcha. So he brought that band to me and we were we were doing it on and off, on and off. And then finally... I just wrapped the band on and I kept it on. Yeah. Like to the point where I'm sure I was cutting off circulation in my foot. Not but were you feeling, <laughs> were you feeling anything? I couldn't feel anything at all because I had nothing like yeah. no circulation. So I was still walking. Okay. Um, the, you know, cause I walked 50 or excuse me, 47, 46, 47 miles in essentially. I mean, minus the little bit I tried to sure, jog. Sure. And he took over driving the kids, so he would drive them spot to spot. And so for mile at mile 80, when Nick realized I was struggling, because, I mean, I was in some serious pain. And I was like, I have 20 miles left. He goes, look, 
you don't have to continue. And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and he's like, why? I go, because it came down to this. This is what it really comes down to. Is okay. Now as a parent, I can't let my kids see me quit. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I, I had an excuse. I had a reason. I had a viable reason. That they would understand. Quit. Everybody, any, any, 99.99% of people are going to go, you did the right thing. Yep. But I couldn't let my see, no. my kids see me quit yeah. because I told them it's going to be hard in life and there's going to be moments where you want to quit and you'll have every reason to quit and nobody's going to question you, but I wasn't going to quit. Yeah. Yeah. Because I needed them to know that yeah. it, even if it sucks, you got to keep going. Yeah. And so it did. I mean, I, I was like, okay, I... I'm struggling here. That's when I need my chicken. My chicken, chicken quesadilla. quesadilla. <laughs> I was like, give me the chicken quesadilla. <laughs> you know, and so I'm eating it and I'm I'm walking and <clears throat> and it was neat because they're like, at that point, they're like, you can do it, mom. You've only got 20 miles left. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And that's that's really what it came down to. Sure. I'd go, okay, 20, 19, 18, you know, like, and I'd start counting down the miles. You just set those small goals. Yep. I can make it to this one. I can make it to this mile and next mile. And then, then once we got through like downtown Daytona, it was mainly, oh God, I got to get away from like, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning. There's some interesting people out. <laughs> there are some interesting people out. We're just going to leave it that way. And so that became more or less, hey, how fast can I get away from the debauchery? The- yes. <laughs> like I was getting chased by this one lady at one point, like yelling at me, what did you do with my food? And I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening she, here? She, she could smell the she chicken could, quesadilla. Like, chicken quesadilla. And um, so Nick was like, oh goodness. So he's walking, you know, next to me off and on. And Are you on the beach yet? Not yet. Not yet, yet. okay. And we get through Daytona and I look at Nick and I was like, okay, can't be that much longer. And he's like, eight more miles. And I was oh, like, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, don't forget. Oh, I know the feeling. He's like, don't forget. There's like two miles on the beach. I'm like, and at that point I'm like, who does this? What kind of sick human being does this? And he's like, you signed up for this race, Danielle. You signed up for this race. And now a 10K is looking real really, good. Is really it? easy. I could have done a lot of 10Ks. But so we go through. Uh, Once we get to the beach, he, you know, I'm. And you still have like a, like a 5K left in the beach, right? It was yeah, two, three miles, right? Yeah, two and a half miles. Okay. I get really slow at this point. Okay. Clearly, I'm in some pain. Yeah. And like. Again, and you have to, tears coming down you, like my eyes. You've got to, you know, walk through sand on a very on a bad, bad ankle. ankle. I mean, that sucks with two good ankles, yes. let alone, you know, one that's. And Nick goes, "I hate to alarm you, jeez, oh, but there's a female competitor coming up behind us." <laughs> female and I like turned over my shoulder and I said, "Not today." Not today. She is not not today, me today, Satan. Yeah, not pretty today. much. Yeah. <laughs> so I oh, book my. it into high gear. Like I can't run yet. Still, I'm like so you're kind of hobbling, like, and, hobbling yeah. as fast as I can on the sand. Like it probably would have been faster for me to get down on all fours and like do it that way. <laughs> so I'm going, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, her her headlamp is getting further away. Okay, I think I'm. I think yeah, I'm yeah. separating. Yeah. But I keep turning around, keep looking. He's like, stop turning around. You're going to fall again. He's like, you've got to pay attention to what's in front of you. Because, again, it was high tide. It's the really soft, squishy stuff. Right, like, right, it's not right. like the, no, the yeah. packed down right. sand. And there's whatever else has been washed up on the, the shore. So we get out of the sand and we finish the, we, we start to come up the hill from the sand. And we have to finish through a neighborhood. 
And I said, I, I've got to run. And he goes, what? I go, I have to run because I know the lady behind me when she gets out of the sand. Is she's going to do the same thing. Yeah. And if I don't run, she's going to beat me. He's like, Danielle, I really do advise against running. And I said, so are you running with me or not? Because <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's I'm doing. That's what I've got to do. <laughs> and he's like, you know, you've got like three quarters of a mile left. I said, yes, I realize this. He goes, how's your ankle? I said, well, who cares? <laughs> it is what it is now. It's still attached. So I take off and there's a video of me and you literally, all you hear is I try to take the first step to run and you hear, Oh God. <laughs> and so it was just like the sheer pain yeah. of like trying to run. So I take off running and, you know, cross the finish line. And sure enough, I'd say like a minute later, the lady, that the was lady behind me that catches crossed, up. I was like, that's why we ran that right there is why we ran <laughs> and, you know, cross the finish line. And the race director hands me the belt buckle. The belt buckle. Mm-hmm. Well, during the initial race, like the, the the meeting, I thought he said only the first and second place winners for the men and the women get a belt buckle. Mm, okay. So, I, so just the overall winners. Yes. So I looked at Nick and I was like, I will be getting a belt buckle. I was like, I am going to get that belt buckle. Meaning I was going to cross one or two. Sure. I was going to be the top two sure. for the females. Yeah. He's like, okay, then go after it. So he hands me the belt buckle and I was like, whoa, whoa, I didn't win. He's like, yeah, you get a belt buckle. And I was like, really? I get a belt buckle? Tears. Nick's like, you're crying over a belt buckle. He's like, Danielle. Like you have no idea. <laughs> he goes, look at all of the other things you've won in your career. I've never like, seen you cry. A belt buckle made you cry. I was like, yes, it did. Yes, it did. But so, yep, I got my belt buckle. And that's I guess fantastic. I'm going after my second belt buckle. That's here. right. That's right. That's right. Because you got to go back because as soon as you cross that finish line, how soon after that you crossed the finish line did you think, redemption? I was thinking, <laughs> I kept going, well, one, I would say it took me at least three days of like sheer pain and agony from my ankle to realize okay. what I had done. Um, Wait, was a part of you wondering, did I damage it? Am I yes, going to be able? Okay, I was okay. worried that I had actually okay. like seriously damaged okay. my ankle okay. at this point, and then I knew I couldn't say like, "Hey, I think I might need to get X-rays," because Nick would be like, "Why didn't you stop? I told you you just stop." So I was like, "Okay, all right, like let's go back into my sports history and think about the last time that I've seriously injured my ankle. Did it feel this way? Did it feel different?" Right, so this right. is, you know, I'm being a total. WebMD nope. doctor. Yeah, but you're, but 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 you also know your body. I mean, yeah. you know, you know. And I was like, okay, on day four, if it doesn't start to feel a little bit better, I'll go get some X-rays. Yeah. Like day four, I woke up and I was like, how's it feel? Oh, it's like five percent better. I'm good. Okay. Um, <laughs> no <laughs> so, X-rays today. <laughs> but I would say, I'd say about a week after the fact. You know, after after I got through the pain of the ankle Mm -hmm. being so bad Mm -hmm. then I started to think like, why did I fall? Why did I have to fall? What could I have done differently? Right. Could I have finished top two where, you know, and then I started looking at the times of the people, the women that finished. I mean, keep in mind, I didn't do terrible. I didn't. What what was the time? Um, I did it in, you were under 24 hours, right? I hit right at 24 hours, 24 hours, 16 minutes. Okay. So I was the 20, I was the sixth female overall to cross. And I think I was the 24th competitor overall. overall. Okay. So it wasn't terrible. No, it was great. But by, it was by any standard, that's what a, I wanted. No, 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 no. It was not what I set out for, and it was not what I knew I could have done. 
So it's like this sick competition I have with myself. I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a, it's a me thing. That's, that's the best way I can describe it to people. Hey, some people collect stamps. Other people do other things. I, yeah. But, but I think it was about a week after the fact. Now, when did I want to start running again? That took me, well, once I finally knew my ankle had healed, it probably took me three months to heal. Oh, yeah. Easily. Not only like my body, but like. And did you ever go to the doctor? No. No. <laughs> Come on now. Dude, that sucker was good. I mean, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Lord, yeah. <laughs> no. no. I just did my ankle exercises, yeah. the bands before right. me. Mm-hmm. Like, you mm-hmm. know, everything that they would tell me, oh, it's a really bad sprained ankle. This is what you need to do. All right. You know, and. Maybe I should have, but I didn't. But you have a, I mean, you, you have a background. I mean, you've been an athlete all your life. You mm-hmm. have a background or your degrees in... Exercise sports science. Right. So you have an understanding yeah. of what you're... I mean, you, you weren't being... Um, you weren't neglecting no. yourself. You weren't being ignorant. You, no. You know. That's one of those don't do that at home kids. Right, right, right. But yeah, it, don't it do that more, at home kids. <laughs> it was more or less, I knew... I knew the difference. Like, I've, I've had... I've played on a broken bone before and not realized it was broken. <laughs> not surprised. Yeah. I just kept playing through it. Sure. And then it was like seven years later, I got an x-ray for something. They're like, when did you break your foot? I was like, I never broke my foot. And I was like, oh, oh that, I did break, I did my, break foot. my foot. <laughs> okay. That, that explains a lot. It wasn't that feeling. So I was like, well, it doesn't feel like that. So I should be okay. But it's fine now. I mean, I'm running again and I guess yeah, going, I mean, going it, after the next one. That's right. So you do want to go back to Daytona. I know we've discussed um, Daytona and um, obviously with the pandemic, a lot of races have been postponed or canceled. Uh, Anything coming up? Nothing yet. We need to find you something. I know. I was looking June-ish. Yes. um, Of maybe doing a 50 miler just as a training run. And then hitting Daytona back in December. So Daytona is my redemption race. And they don't know it yet. So it's one of those, like, watch out, people. Here I come. They meaning Nick and the family oh, or no. Daytona? Daytona. Okay. Like, the people. Are they having it? Have they opened registration? I They haven't opened it yet. I mean, but I'm hoping that it'll be. By like, then, hopefully, yeah. things will have um, gotten to the point where people are putting races back. I mean, there's a lot of races on the on the calendar. And I know, hopefully, by fall, things will be a little more Yeah, so normal. We'll, we'll see how it is. But. But right now, it's just more or less, okay, this is what you got today. Go do it. You know, put one foot in front of the other. And really, it comes down to, I think the easiest thing I tell people all the time is embrace the suck. Yeah. Not every day is awesome. You could you could have a terrible four miles, and you can have a great 22, and it doesn't make any sense. It's just where you are that day mentally, what right. happened the night before. You just go out and you do it, and then know that, like, okay, those miles are adding up, and everything is, is adding up for, right. for the, the end game. Um, you know, and for me, it wasn't always about, Hey, I want to be a runner. It's funny. Like people are like, Oh, you're a runner. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm even a goal now, setter. <laughs> I, but even now it's funny. It's like, Oh no, I was a soccer player. And they're like, but I see you running all the time. I was like, Oh no, I'm not a runner. And then somebody was like, Danielle, you ran a hundred miles. Yeah. At this point you're, you're, you're in, you're, you're in the club. You're like a runner. Yeah. You're in the like, club. But I've only ran like two races. They're like. 
You've done like you're in the club. You you've done the like the crazy race. You're yeah, you're definitely yeah. a runner. Like you're a runner. <laughs> you're a runner, Daniel. So come on. It, it it's funny. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's if I accept that category of that 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 title given to you, it's like the expectation put on you of oh wait, you're a runner. You need to be good. Right. And then every runner has their own definition of what they want that day. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I think one of the things that I love about that story. And one of the reasons why it was kind of hounding you to, to, to get in here and tell the story so other people can hear it is, one, <clears throat> yes, it's a race. Yes, you signed up for it. But, you know, there's some adversity there. And you decided I'm not going to let it define or take over, you know, what I set out to do. And even though it sucked, <laughs> you you finished. Yeah, You finished. You crossed the finish line. You got your belt buckle. Your kids had... I mean, think about the experience. Think about the stories they're going to be telling 20, 30 years from now. We're like, yeah, my mom ran one of those 100-mile races. She did on spring ankle. Man, no, she didn't. Yes, she did. <laughs> Let me get her on the phone so you can hear it. By that point, we won't even be calling each other. We'll just be <laughs> transmitting it over, you know, some whatever Elon Musk comes up with. But um, now, looking at the time, it's you've been very gracious with your time. So... A couple things, and then I'll let you go. Now, obviously, you're very passionate about the goal setting, um, kind of def- not allowing things to get in the way of what it, what it is that you want to achieve. And I know you do coaching, mm-hmm. so amongst many other things, which I think is fantastic. Besides being a mom of two very active twins, you've got your coaching, you've got the island carts, and then you're all, you're still coaching soccer, correct? I do it every once in a while on the side. So, but I you're still doing it. Yes. I mean, that's something that's always going to be there, once right? In a while. Yeah. I think it, I think it can't ever completely go away. Oh God, no, no, no. Come so, on. but t- tell me a little bit about the coaching because I think people will hearing this will go, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> so, because you you started that like how many years now? Have you been um, let's see here. I guess we are on year three or four that's it yeah but but see i was doing the soccer coaching side of things like with georgia right right a lot longer than that but well i meant the coaching as in the goal setting the that that. i would say it's funny i think officially about four years ago probably but it's always been before kind of on the side yeah yeah like i didn't i didn't really realize what it was yeah and so i tell people they're like oh you're a life coach i'm like actually I consider myself a success coach. I like that. Because I'm training people to be successful in all areas of their yeah. life. But there are some parts of their life that they're happy with. So I'm not going to go in there and say, hey, let's try this. Right, like, right. It's more or less, what are you trying to get out of life? Right. What are your goals? Right. And, and for me, it's 97% of the population walks around without a goal. Right. They're just I there. I agree that. <laughs> right? Like, what, what are you trying to achieve today? I don't know. Go to work. No, what's your goal? Like, what what are you trying to accomplish? What is the end game? What do you? What's point A to point Z? Like, what are you trying to do? And so I, I challenge people on setting a goal and achieving goals, but not. I always tell people do the goal that like you don't know how you're going to do it, but if you achieve it, it's going to shock you and it's going to be awesome. Right. Like those are the goals I want people to set because those are actually doable. More people can achieve those like crazy goals than people that set off on like, okay, if I increase my sales 10%, that would be great. Well, those people get bored and they right. stop trying. Right. So that's why like we fail at those easier goals is because they're boring. It's the goals that excite you, make you nervous. Challenge of, you. Yeah. And you, you have no idea how it's going to happen. Sure. You just start to do it. Right. And like every day you keep trying. 
Um, those are the goals we go after. So that's what I like working with people on with, I mean, I've got a 13 week program. It's called I am, Mm -hmm. and it's mainly about discovering who you are, your I am statement. You know, you're not your name. Your name was given to you. Who are you? You know, like, and and it's really, truly who you are, you know, and what your purpose is. I tell people we, we think about purpose in the wrong way. Like, oh my gosh, like it's gotta be this thing given to me. Nope. It's simple. The purpose of life is find your gift, share your gift. That's the purpose of life. Right. Right. So if you have a gift, if you have a talent, you're supposed to share it. That's your actual true purpose while you're here. Sure. And then setting goals from there. And what, what are the hiccups that hold us back? We all have something that holds us back. Self-doubt. And 99% of it is things that we were, we were taught at a very young age sure. that we don't even realize. Sure. And, you know, it, and it just keeps repeating from generation to generation. You know, you're not your parents. You're not your grandparents. Whatever you want to achieve in life, if you actually truly set out to accomplish it, you can get it done. Sure. I mean, just look around now. Like, yeah. All the amazing technology. The iPhone didn't exist when we were around, like younger. Right? Thank like, God. I know, trust me. But like cell phones were just coming out. Remember like Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell? Yeah. He had the giant cell phone that looked like military grade style. But now they're like so small that, you know, right. they can fit into your pocket. Well, and so, the technology on this phone yeah. is more advanced than the technology on the space shuttle. And it's, and it's crazy. Like, yeah. Where it literally is walking around with a computer and computers sure. used to take up like entire buildings because they, they were so big at sure. the time. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what it is. It can be achieved. It's just, are you willing to do what it takes? And that's what I ask people all the time. Are you willing to do what it takes? And if they hesitate, then I know it's not for them. Right. Because you have to know that there's going to be a little bit of sacrifice, but it's going to be ugly sometimes. But there's always something beautiful in the ugly. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like I explain my car accident is the best, worst thing that ever happened to me. And people are like, what do you mean it was the best, worst thing? I'm almost like, it was a terrible thing, but I'm glad it happened. Right. And they're like, you're glad that you went through that? I said, in the moment, no. No. <laughs> but now, absolutely. Because I can understand goal setting when it comes to sports. I can understand goal setting when it comes to your own personal health, mm-hmm. your mental health, your mm-hmm. physical health. I can understand goal setting when you decide to go out and run a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. I can understand mm-hmm. it across all areas. So when somebody comes to me and they're like, you know, I just, this keeps holding me back. I'm like, I can honestly say to them, no, that's not holding back. You're holding yourself mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. because I can find a million excuses as to why I don't want to do something. I just need one reason why. And I can keep pumping into that reason. Sure, sure. So that's what, like, that's my passion. That's what gets me fired up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when I when I sit there and I tell people, like, look, set the goal. Set it high. Set the bar high. Because when you set the bar high, even if you barely fall below it, it's still awesome. And because now, you've achieved something that you, you, you haven't yeah. achieved before. Like, do you think I wanted to finish the time I did at 100 miles? No. I set a high goal. I set a high bar for myself. I wanted to do it between 15 to 16 hours. That was my goal. Well, I can guarantee you 24 hours. Yep. I finished. I finished on a bum ankle. Okay. Now watch me now. Right. Like right. here, I'm coming for you. It's almost inspiration. You, you're inspiring yourself to achieve, you know, maybe it wasn't the goal that it wasn't your A goal, but you, you hit the B, maybe you hit mm-hmm. the C, maybe you hit the D, but you know, you can reach it. So now I can come back to it the next time and say, I'm going to reach that A goal. Yeah. 
and, and that's just it where it's like, okay, well, you know, it, everybody listening, you know, the runners out there, it's no different than breaking the four minute mile. Absolutely. It was told scientists said you couldn't do it. Your heart would explode. They gave you a million reasons why you couldn't. And now it's like, well, what do you mean you can't run, run a sub four? Right. Or, like, or, or now the conversation is a sub two marathon. Yeah. You know, what, which it happened. It happened. And they were like, well, we can't, we can't count it because he had a That's, pacer and whatever nah. else. Dude, nobody was running for him. Right. Nobody was moving his legs. He still had to move his legs. He had yeah, to move absolutely. his legs and he had absolutely. to move his arms. So it happened. Right. And so now people that are, are really tuned in will be like, well, if he could do it, I can do it. It just takes that first person to say, I think I can. I think I can do it. And, and go from there. I mean, I'm a huge advocate of everybody having a goal in sure. life because if you don't have a goal you don't have purpose you don't right. have direction and without purpose and direction you're just floating along and i think that's why a lot of times people aren't happy is they're, they're not going after something and the goal can be i want to start a business or i want to have a better relationship with my my kids or i want to run a 5k i want to learn to cook right, right right like it doesn't have to be everybody's like well i want to cure know, cancer it doesn't no. have to be this big pie in the sky it, it can be okay i want to learn how to make lasagna right i want to learn how to make lasagna this sure. month because maybe you are terrible at cooking right okay well then that's a goal you achieve it okay well now what's the next thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean i actually it was neat i was watching um the julia child's movie or uh julia who was the, the oh right with uh um not julia child's well yes she was the cook right 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 and it was like how everybody didn't she needed a she needed a purpose she was bored and then she starts cooking and goes to the french culinary school and they didn't want to teach her and they said she was terrible mm-hmm. and so she practiced at chopping onions without crying and everything else and then you look at what she achieved and it wasn't because she had this like grandiose idea of like i'm going to be the best in the world but she sort of did turn out that way because she was driven with a purpose Mm -hmm. and then she found what she was supposed to do and she went after it and that's where for me it's helping people figure out why are you here we are all here for a reason you know if you thought you were supposed to go to work retire at, you know, 65, 70, spend five years and then die. Well, that is boring. Like, (laughs) but that's what we've accepted. And I tell people, look, work, your job is important. Earning money is important, but being true to you is the most important thing you can do. Sure. Sure. And so now I feel like my purpose, originally my gift was soccer. And then it went, it turned into, okay, I want to draw the best out of people. Sure. Like that's what yeah. I tell people all the time. I can be one of the best high five givers there is, but I'll also be in your face at the same time right. saying, give right. me more. Right. Right. You know, I'm going to draw the best out of you. But now I think that the purpose is, is TJ and I were talking about it on one of my long run days. He was bicycling. He, had, he got a new bike for Christmas and he was cycling next to me and we're about 15 miles into a run. He's like, how long do you think you can do these mom? I said, do what son? He's like these hundred mile races. I was like, I don't know. I was like, but I had epiphany the other night. Wouldn't it be cool if I was the grandma that when you were older and had kids that your kids were saying, well, my grandma runs around 100 mile races. He's like, that would be awesome. <laughs> He's like, so do you think you can do it? And I was like, I don't know. I think that might be, might be the next thing where there's little things that drive you. But for me, it's like, what's that long what's that next term? Thing? Sure. What's the next thing? And so that's what, what I am is about. That's what the goal setting, the success coaching is, is I'll work with a business on, okay, how do we double your income? Everybody else is saying, okay, 10% is great. 
okay, 10% might be great, but do you want to raise? Because mm-hmm. everybody else in your staff wants one. So let's double it. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's, again, drawing the best out of each person sure. and, and putting the best foot forward. Well, I think anybody listening to this will hopefully come away with, well, one, <laughs> either they're going to be inspired to run 100 miles or not, uh, but definitely, hopefully, leaving this thinking, who am I and how can I become the I am? So, Daniel, I want to thank you very much for being here with us and having this conversation. Where can folks find you either on social media or how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about your businesses? Or if they're looking for a running partner. <laughs> Always looking for a running partner. If they go to daniellesunderhouse.com, it's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-S-U-N-D-E-R-H-A-U-S.com. You can find my website. It'll link to all of my social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff. Perfect. Um, so that they can link in. You know, if you just need an inspirational pick-me-up, Every day, there's something out there, a quote, a picture, something that, you know, may meditate, like motivate you that day or, or really help get you in the right frame of mind. So I would say head to the website. They can also order my book, which I have written a book called. I was going to, I didn't get a chance to ask you about that, but, uh, uh, maybe we'll just have to have you back and we can continue the conversation, Absolutely. but the book is, is what is it? It's and you can cuss on that. Okay. Uh, it's called dear God, why does shitty things happen? So <laughs> I think we've all asked Yes, that we have all asked that question. Times. And, and you want to know, like, why is this happening to me yeah. right now? And that's really what it is, is it was the, the ins and outs in a lot of what I dealt with on the traumatic brain sure. injury. Because I asked that question all the time. Why yeah. me? Why do you hate me? What's the deal? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. I didn't sign up for this. And then it wasn't about it wasn't about why me. It was, okay, why not me? Sure. Okay, what am I supposed to learn here? Yeah. How can I get better? Yeah. So it was just changing the question to find a better answer. Right, right. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think... What a better way to end it than say than than on that note. So Daniel, again, thank you very much for sitting down and chatting with us, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back. Sounds great. All right.